You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our social media accounts paint a picture of the people that we are. We post pictures and like and share different memes and hope that we'll get likes and shares back. And this might fill an emotional void that we have. We even subscribe and follow different people that we feel bring value to the world. Join us for the next few weeks as we dive into the book of James and find out who we should be following and maybe who we should start unfollowing. All right, good morning everyone here at Paradox. Hey, good morning. Love you guys too. Good morning to those of you that are joining us online. We love you too. Glad that you're here with us in some way. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox, and it's an exciting day. I'm I'm very, very excited. We are starting into a brand new series here at Paradox called Unfollow. Stop following the wrong things. If you're here, uh, hopefully that's, especially online, that's because you're following, you know, one of the right things, maybe. (laughs) You're following us. We're glad that you are. We're glad that you found us, and we're glad that you are here. Uh, One other thing that is also here is fall. Fall is here before the end of the week. It's going to be 58 degrees. Yeah, all right, that's not, all right. Some people are excited, you know. <laughs> um, you know, you got that window sleeping weather going. Uh, you also have something else. You got bees. Bees. Oh, it's bee season. Um, along with fall comes, comes the cider mills. Anybody been to a cider mill yet this, this, uh, this fall? All right, a few of you. Uh, we, we went to the cider mill, and it seems like bees, right? They, they, they got the message early. They showed up early for fall. Uh, they've been irritating us. All summer long, uh, they've, been, they've been buzzing around our faces. Uh, now, here's the thing, right? A lot of people, um, especially my kids, it seems, like they're really, really afraid of bees. They're afraid of getting stung. And I will admit, I would prefer to not be stung, okay? However, more than scary, I feel like the bees, like they're just irritating, you know? Like I, I want them to know. I want them to realize just how irritating they actually are. Why can't you do your thing, B? I'm not in the garbage can. That's your place. This is my place. I just want to be over here and you be over there, all right? You do your B thing and stay away from my face, stay away from my cider. You get, there's plenty, plenty for you in the garbage can, but they come and they buzz around your face and then you, you, know, they, you, you start doing that thing like constantly and, and, and then you have to try to move and instead of enjoying your cider and your donut, Plain donut for me. Uh, I know cinnamon sugar people out there are, are very upset right now. Instead of enjoying those things, you end up, the time just gets about the bee, right? It's, it's all that you can focus on just trying to get rid of this stupid bee that's around you. Bees, at the very best, um, are, are irritant, are ir- they're irritating. You just want them to go away. They grab your attention. They steal the joy 
They steal the moments. Ultimately, you end up spending money, as in our house, uh, we, have, we went out and got those like electronic shackers for, for bees and flies and stuff. We actually carry them with us. Like We have a tennis racket that comes to parties now because it's not enough for us anymore to just hit a bee with something, like, like a paper, t- paper plate or something like that. We have to give it the electrical, sh- the electrical chair in our house. That's how irritating bees are. In a lot of ways, here, here, we're getting into this, this series on social media. And I know I started out really, really lighthearted, but in a lot of ways, the more I've, I've spent time thinking about social media this past uh, few, few months, praying about this, watching, researching things, uh, I'm, I'm worried that maybe social media is not simply irritating for us. Because I think that most of us could agree, it can be irritating. It's irritating to see, to see what people post, some people think it's irritating to see what you post. It's irritating to get into a comment thing. It's irritating to have your notifications going off all the time. It's all irritating. But I think that perhaps it's more. It might be more than irritating. At best, it's irritating. And there's, but there's also good things it can do. There's good things. So, so we're willing to put up with some degree of irritation because we, we go, hey, you know what? There's some good things that social media can do. You know, I can, I can reconnect with people and remember that birthday. You know, um, I, I can, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else. Uh, list short, maybe, uh, for some of us. But there's some good things that we're willing to put up the irri- with the irritation. But what if there's more? What if at worst, social media, the things that we follow, the people that we follow, is actually destructive. What if there's a, there's a weight here that we have to go, man, what, what is the good that it brings? What is, what is the bad? Would we pay more attention to this if we really believe that perhaps there was something more going on? I just want to, just, I want to dive into some of those things uh, because every single one of us have, have experienced, again, the irritation on some level, but what if, uh, what, what if you're actually experiencing more than that? Have you ever actually thought about the time that you spent, that I spent, on social media? I just, it's Sunday. I got my weekly report. Anyone do their, like, screen time report? Oh, that's a great moment, you know? Spent five hours on social media a day, average. Oh, gosh, that feels so good. We, yeah, we, have, we have time that's spent. And in those times, in, in, in those moments, we're not present often. We're not in the moment. We're distracted. You got maybe kids that are screaming out for attention. You're like, hold on. I'm doing something. I'm I'm reading about the five kinds of bees (laughs) that can irritate you. You know, the top 100 reasons why they're irritating. You know, some of us uh, even experience loss of sleep over this. Uh, Whether that's because we're spending so much time on social media right before we go to bed and then we can't go to sleep, or maybe you're like me, and this is the saddest thing in the world, all right? This is, this is such a dork moment, uh, but there's, there's, in fantasy football leagues, there's this thing, this beautiful thing that happens early on Wednesday morning, 3.30, in fact, 3.30, and it's when waivers, it's like Christmas morning where you get to go like, oh my gosh, right, what are the new players that are going to be on my team? My body, I'm not kidding you, my body has learned that I would like to be awake at 3.30 in the morning on Wednesday. Sad, I know. I was going for a laugh, but instead you want to cry. I want to cry as well. 
Uh, because it's just learned that I, that's a time I would like to be up. And so I, I wake up, I look at stuff, I, I do a few things, and then before you know it, uh, that's just the time that I wake up in the morning during football season. Oh, so worth it. No, it's not. Said so no one ever. All right? uh, we, we end up losing sleep. We become irritated. We're unfocused. Many of us have seen the effects of relational, in our relationships because of social media. Many of us would say, yes, uh, there is someone whose posts uh, I do not want to see. Many people would say the same thing about you. It ends up affecting your relationship because of what you posted, because of what they posted, because of what each other thinks that you each posted, but you didn't really post. And then you try to explain yourself in the comments, and then other people get involved, right? And you start really, really having a good, productive you know, conversation that has mutual understanding and patience and lots of... No! You start getting into arguments with strangers, and, then, and no one understands each other. No one's minds are changed, and that is the wonderful thing about relationships on social media. There are actually people, I know this, you may know this as well, that are not in relationships anymore, that do not come to our church because of this glorious tool called social media. There's the emotional effects, comparison, depression, anxiety, rage that all come out in us. Believe it or not, there's actually even physical effects. I wanted to throw this in here. Uh, this is, these are from recent studies that have been done. Now that we're starting to see kids that are growing up with more and more time, access on social media, the physical consequences, effects, ramifications are starting to come out. 2016 survey of 17,000 kids found that 13% had a major depressive episode, compared to 8% of the kids surveyed in 2010. That's 5% change. Now, that might not sound by, like a lot, but if we were going after progress, if you were looking to celebrate a win about something, 8% to 13%, you'd be pretty proud of. If you saw that kind of jump in your business, 5% over a year, you'd take that. 5% major depressive episode, suicide deaths among people aged 10 to 19 have also risen sharply, according to the latest data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Young women are suffering the most. A CDC report released earlier this year showed that suicide among teen girls has reached 40 years, year highs. This follows a period during the late 90s and early 2000s when rate of adolescent depression and suicide mostly held steady or declined. These increases are huge, possibly unprecedented. That's what Jean Twenge said. She's a professor of psychology at San Diego State University and an author of iGen, which examines how today's super-connected teens may actually be less happy and less prepared for adulthood than previous generations. Somewhere out there, parents are saying, amen. Yes, we see that. We know. In a peer-reviewed study that will appear later this year in a journal, Clinical Psychological, Psychological Science, Twins showed that after 2010, teens who spent more time on new media were more likely to report mental health issues than those who spent time on non-screen activities. Here's the quote. Using data collected between 2010 and 2015 from more than 500,000 adolescents nationwide, Twinge's study found kids who spent three hours or more a day on smartphones. Now, you might think, well, that's a ton. I would challenge you. Look at your own time. It's amazing how fast that stuff piles up. Teens that found spent more than three hours a day on smartphones or other electronic devices were 34% more likely 
to suffer at least one suicide-related outcome, including feeling hopelessness or seriously considering suicide, than kids who use devices two hours a day or less. 34%, 34%. Among kids who used electronic devices five or more hours a day, 48% had at least one suicide-related outcome. That is one in two. One in two. Also found that kids who use social media daily were 13% more likely to report high levels of depressive symptoms than those who use social media less frequently. Overall, kids in the study who spent low amounts of time engaged in in-person social interaction, but high amounts of time on social media were the most likely to be depressed. I want to be fair. I want to go to all sides. So I'm going to read just for a moment the positive studies related to social media. We're moving on. I haven't found any. I have not found any. The, the physical, the relational, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual effects of our addiction to social media are starting to not be able to ignore. The stakes are high on this. But too often we treat it as a simple irritant. Simple irritant. No. I wonder if it's more like those killer bees that we heard about early on in 2020, right? It's time to pay attention. It may be time to unfollow social media. Especially today, we're going to be focusing in on, on unfollowing the feed, unfollowing the news. Today, whereas four years ago we did not have this terminology, more and more of us are aware of something called fake news. It's become a word that we hear, utilize, are exposed to on a daily basis. Now, we may all disagree on what the fake news is, who is purveying the fake news, but all of us agree that fake news is out there. It is. Here's the thing. We all know it's out there. We all know that it's, 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 per, it's prevalent especially on social media. I love this, right? How many of you have been, uh, had a link sent to you where it's like, hey, there's free burgers at McDonald's and you click on it today and you click on it and you're like, oh, if you live in Saudi Arabia, but somebody sent that to you, you're like, oh, we just wanted to brighten your day. It does not brighten my day, right? Fake news for me has nothing to do with me, but Pew Research actually shows that 62% of us get our news from social media. 75%, if you include email lists or, or going to a social media website itself, you know, like a, like a BuzzFeed or something like that, 75%. This is where we go to the purveyor of fake news for our news. You trust it? It's a serious lack of trust, I think, here. It, it makes us distrust things. It makes us distrust people because we're not sure. I think that might be one of the most frustrating things is that we're not sure what we can believe anymore. We don't know who we can believe. We assume now that everyone, everything, every time has some sort of angle. They're trying to get us. They're trying to sell us. They're trying to spin it their own way. And that's just a basic assumption. What does that tell us about people, our relationships? How can we actually trust anyone, anything, anymore? So we go to ourselves. 
We, we, we just go, you know what, that's what I already think. And so we find things that agree and we have confirmation bias. See, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And it, what it resolves in, it results in is division between people that see it our way and people that don't. And instead of having an informed disagreement with a healthy dialogue, now we have the people that know and the people that don't know. The people that are smart and the people that are dumb. And we assume that everybody that doesn't see things the way that we see things is actually stupid or worse, evil, intent on destroying our country, intent on destroying our families. We assume all this, and it creates unrest, division. It's like getting our news from a salesman. Of course they're going to give us this news, because this is what social media is designed to do. It's been said that if you don't know what the product is, the product is you. How does social media make your money? I know, for some of you, you're going to say, oh man, Dave sounds like a conspiracy theory theorist up here. I'm just trying to look at some of these facts and go, man, what's going on? What's going on? If, if you don't know exactly how something makes its money, it's probably because you are the product. You are the one. That is what we're looking at, and that's, what we, that's who we choose to trust. That's what we go to for our information. That's what we go to for our sense of identity, belonging often, our perspectives, our beliefs, and it shapes our behaviors. Because here's one of the first truths that I want to, I want to spend as we get into this series. We're going to be going through the book of James, which is full of practical wisdom that we're going to apply specifically over the next four weeks, five weeks, I'm sorry, to social media. It's effects on us. It's effects on our relationships. It's effect on our world, our culture, our society. And the first thing that I see is in James 1. What we look at is what we will look to. What we look at is what we will look to. Let me explain that. Just another research. In case you didn't get enough research already, do you know that 80% of smartphone users will check their phone within the first 15 minutes of waking up. 80%, first 15 minutes, we have that kind of access. We go to our phones. Have you ever been in a conversation where, you go, where something uncertain comes up? What's the first thing that you do? There's disagreement, there's uncertainty, Google it, Google it. We ask that salesman for the right answer. We go online and we Google it, and because we tr what it shows is that that's ultimately what we trust. The thing that you look at is the thing that you look to. Where do you go for help? Where do you go for perspective? Where do you go for answers? I want to submit to you that the first thing that you go to is the thing that's going to, going to win. I've got this, and we're going to keep on returning to this uh, throughout the, the course of our time together this morning. We have a sponge here, right? And in a lot of ways, our minds... Our day, our feelings, our, our emotions, our interactions, they are a lot like this sponge. Now, if I dip this in to the red, and I squeeze it, and it absorbs everything that it is in, red is going to come out. Because what gets in first is ultimately going to win. If I now take this very same sponge, and I put it over here in the blue, Still got red in there. Blue is dripping off of my hand because there's not enough room for it in there. When 80% of us go directly to our phones in the morning and that gets in, how many of you have had a day ruined because of the email that you read first thing in the morning? 
How many of you have read something on news that came to you and that's what you said and, and immediately you go, ugh, I'm so tired of them. I can't believe that. This is still happening. What's first wins. And we look to this first, 80% of us, within the first 15 minutes, go to fake news and it shapes us. And it, and it, and it directs our feelings and it tinges our interactions with people throughout the rest of the day. It flavors our speech, directs us where to go, what, where to look, how to feel. James 1, starting in verse 5, says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What is this saying? It's saying that where there is no trust, there is doubt. And when we doubt everything that's coming in, especially the thing that we went to for trust, for wisdom... We become unstable. We become pe like people that are tossed to and fro. I feel like that on a lot of days. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's going on out there. And so I spend my day going, oh man, that makes sense. That makes, I, don't, I don't know what to think anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's really wisdom anymore. But James tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you don't know what to think, if any of you don't know what to do anymore, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him Google. No. Let him ask God. How do we ask God? Where, where, where would God's words be? God has given us, he's revealed to us his way, his wisdom, his plans, his reality, his truth, and it's not fake news. What if, what if we started turning to this first instead? What if we set our minds, set our day, set ourselves, our heart, our emotion in the reality, in God-steeped reality every day first? It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be a half an hour. But what if it was the first thing that we did? What if, what if our minds are, are, are waking up and, and we just soak in God truth instead of anything else. That's what Matthew 6, 33 says. When it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. The things that you're after, the knowledge, the wisdom, what to do, where to go. Seek first. Put first Go to God first. If any one of us needs wisdom, ask God for it. And then God takes care of the rest. We don't have to worry. No, God, God, God works in, in our patience. God works as we turn to him. God works as we trust him. Shows us what we need to think, where we need to go, who we can really trust. My question for you this, this morning is, what are you filling up with? In your day, in your moments, what do you turn to first? Because what you look at first is what you'll look to in that time of need. When you need wisdom, when you need guidance, when you need to know what to think, where to go, what's true, do you fill up with God 
first. It's what you look at is what you're going to look to. The Bible says, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. I lift my eyes to the hills. I look to you, God. So many of us are looking first to CNN, looking first to Facebook, looking first to Tucker Carlson. Maybe they're all good guys. Maybe they have some really interesting things to say. But what you look at first is what you're going to look to first. How much hope is in those things? How much truth can you be found, can be found there? Or do you feel increasingly like you're just going back and forth without an anchor, without a center, not knowing what's real, not knowing who to trust? What you look at is what you will look to. I firmly believe that perhaps many of us need to spend less time on Facebook and more time with our face in this book. What if we did that this week? What if every one of us said, you know what, first, I'm going here. I'm not going to read, I'm, I'm read the fantasy news. I'm not going to read my CNN newsletter. I'm not going to catch up on my social feed. I'm going to go to God first. Even if it's 15 minutes, I'm going to let him shake me. I'm going to look to you, God, for help. You've given me another day. Second thing is very, very similar. What holds our attention will ultimately hold us. What we, look to, what we look at first, we will look to first. And what holds our attention ultimately holds us. Time for more research. The average American spends 5.4 hours a day on their phone. The average American spends 5.4 hours a day. You don't have to be a math scholar to know that an average means that some are less. Maybe that's you. Some are more. 5.4 hours a day. You say, well, that's not also, that, that can be text messages, that can be maps. You know, it's like, hey, if you're driving around for 5.4 hours, I would get a different map app, first of all. Second of all, all right? But about half of that, half of that is social media. Two and a half, three hours, somewhere in there. Two and a half, three hours a day spent. And you know what? That's on purpose. Social media knows this. Facebook, Google, they're not the richest companies in the history of the world for nothing. They're the best. They know you. They know me. They know us. And they go after our attention. They know what keeps it. They know what will grab it. They know what will make them money. So they show you. They show me. It captures our attention. And if they can capture your attention long enough, if they can hold your attention, then they can get a hold on you. Whatever holds your attention, that's going to shape your opinion. It's going to shape your thoughts. It's going to shape your perspective. It's going to shape your interactions, your relationships. And if it can shape all those things, you know what else it can shape? Your actions, your behavior, your buying patterns, your voting patterns. That's what's, on, uh, what, that's what's at stake. That's what's on the line. What holds your attention holds you. That's why these companies are so eager to hold you. You ever had a conversation, right? I think we've all had this, seen this. You have a conversation, and then wouldn't you know it? You go on Facebook, there's that vacuum that we were just talking about. It's amazing. I'm not suggesting that they're all listening. Here's what I am suggesting. Your social media account knows you. It knows the things that you've been looking at. It knows the things that you've been, you've been thinking about. 
Because you, you went to it, right? Remember that? You went to it. You asked it. And so it gets to know you. It learns. It goes, oh, I know the kinds of things that you like. I know the kinds of things that keep your attention. Let me show you more of them. Is this what you wanted? Is this what you'd like? Some of us have a big problem with, it, with, with the ads that keep coming up on our computer. I might suggest to you that there's a reason why those ads are coming up. It knows you. It knows what you spend time on. It knows what's on your mind. It knows what you're thinking about right now. It's predictive. And what it shows you will shape you. What holds your attention will actually hold you. And when you fill up with that, nothing else can get in. No, no, no di diverging opinion. No other wisdom. No other thought. No other feeling. When you are full, you are full. Again, if I take this sponge and I fill it up, right, this, this sponge actually is holding the water. It cannot get out. What holds your attention holds you. Nothing can get this water out unless something else acts on it. Something else does something. No, it's held captive by that. Listen to what James has to say about this, starting in verse 19. Oh, I'm sorry. Starting in verse 13. I got ahead of myself there. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire, by what's inside. Coming out. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Every good and gift, perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. What this is sharing with us is that there is something inside of us that is drawn to certain things, our own desires, and social media will play on that. And when it holds that, it holds you. And the actions that come out, the things you pursue, are coming out of that place. Romans 12, 2. Actually, he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed. Don't take on everything that is around you. Don't soak it up. Don't soak it in. Because once you do, that's what's inside. What needs to happen, instead of conforming, instead of soaking in and looking like everything else around you, is a transformation of the mind from the inside out so that our actions actually come from the place inside where God is renewing us, where God is, is bringing truth and life and faith and hope and joy instead of conforming to all of the hopelessness, the division, the anger around us. Don't be conformed to that stuff. Be transformed. Be different. Don't be held by everything. Instead, get out what's holding on to you so that you can be held by something else. What are you holding on to? Maybe, that's, maybe that first question is, is the better one. What does your social media feed, what you see, those advertisements, the posts that you see, what does that say about you? What does that say about what's holding on to you? And what does that say about how you're going to act? 
what you're going to do. What are you holding on to? I, I just I want to suggest, all right? I have spent the last month not on Facebook. Let me tell you something. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. But you know what? I, I'm more present. I'm less angry. I'm getting there. You know what? Sometimes if you really want to get this stuff out, then you have to do a detox of sort. We, we, we know this when it comes to food, right? You can't necessarily change what's true about you on the inside until you get out what's bad. And sometimes we have to go, all right, I'm going to detox from this. I'm just going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to step away. I'm going to deactivate. I'm going to put some limitations, some boundaries on it. I don't know what it looks like for you in your life, but what if you spent the next 30 days not only looking to God first for his wisdom. I would suggest Proverbs, by the way. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs. You could take one a day and just go, God, what do you have about what's true in, in life for me? But then also remove, empty out, detox, spend less time, put a limit, invite an accountability partner into that with you. I, I have limitations set up on my phone, and you know who has the password? Gwen. I can't download apps on my phone. That might sound very babyish, but you know what? I just, I know me. I know me. I don't want, I don't want to be held by this. I want to be freed to live. I want to be freed to, to pursue truth. I want, to, I want life. I want joy instead of everything else that this seems to promise. What holds your attention holds you, and what's on the inside is what is always going to come out. What's on the inside is always what's going to come out. Let's go back to this sponge for a second. When you have this sponge here, right, and you fill it up with dirty water, can it do its job? This, this sponge, this has a job. This is a job that it was designed and meant to do. There is a reason that you picked it up. And when it's full of dirty, stinky, smelly, disgusting water, how can you possibly expect it to do the thing that it was created to do? This was meant to clean. This was meant to, to bring order and life and beauty back into the world. And if we rub dirty, stinky, smelly water all over the place, guess what we get? Dirty, stinky, smelly things. And I think that that's what we're starting to see in our culture, in our day-to-day, -day, in, our, in our relationships. There's a lot of dirty, stinky, smelly going around right now. But it has to do with what's coming in, with what we're holding on to, because what is on the inside will come out. We can't do our job when that's the case. James 1, 19 to 26 Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I feel like we can just stop there for a second. If we actually believed that anger did not produce righteousness, that that, that conversation that you're going to have, it's not going anywhere good. That that, that that angry, pointed post is not going to produce something good. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You don't get good things from bad things. You don't get clean surfaces from dirty sponges. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save you. When, when you put this in, able to save you from all that. What's on the inside is going to come out. 
but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I think that many of us have deceived ourselves into thinking that if we know enough, if we can say enough, then something good will happen. Scripture's telling us here, don't, don't just be a hearer. Don't deceive yourself. It's time for action. It's time to do something. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, where he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, into God's word, the law of liberty, this is meant to free you from all of that and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Someone who puts this into practice, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. It's almost like it was written for today. It's almost like God has something to say to every one of us. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, doesn't get this, this or these under control, deceiving your heart. Your religion's worthless. Unless you're willing to do something about this. Many of us would say, then, no, no, I am doing something. I'm posting on social. I'm liking. I wanted to show, with you, show you just a few pictures, and these are a little bit hard to look at. These are a little bit hard to look at, but I want us to look at them nonetheless. These were put together by a Christian organization to do something about um, disaster relief, crisis relief, I'm sorry, Singapore, just a few years back. And these are real press images. The thumbs up are, are obviously added in later on. But in those times when we feel like, you know what, I'm going I'm to go on social. I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to like. I'm going to share. I'm going to post. I wonder if that's how we end up looking. I wonder if this is what we honestly end up doing. Is this a view through the lens of God, through the lens of eternity, through their eyes? about how much we actually care, about how much we didn't just hear, about how much we, awareness was not just raised, but what we actually did. If this actually got on the inside, is all that would come out thumbs up? I don't think so. I don't think so. True religion is acting. It's doing. We tend to glorify being smart, knowing things being able to have an intelligent conversation, an informed opinion. That's a lot of times why we read the things that we read. I know that it is for me. I like to look smart. I do. But that's not wisdom. Wisdom is not just knowing things. Wisdom is not even just being seen as someone who knows, seen as someone who cares. Wisdom is doing. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. Let it lead to action. People call wise people those who have lived life well. Not those who know a lot about life, but those who have lived it, who have done it, who have acted on it. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that we are making a difference. But James tells us here, don't deceive yourself. Don't be a hearer of the word only. Don't live on Facebook. What are you going to do? How are you going to show love? How are you going to be Jesus' hands? instead of Facebook thumbs? How are you going to show God's heart to the world instead of an Instagram heart on a profile? That's what true religion is all about. As we close here today, 
I just want to ask you, like, what if you started to replace that screen time? I said, on average, we spend five hours a day looking at our screen. Let's just go with the two and a half on social. I, I don't think there's a person in here or a person that's watching right now that if I said, hey, what if I could give you an extra two and a half hours in your day? Would you take that? Would you like that? I think we'd all say, yeah. And yet, we spend, we choose to invest two and a half hours of every single day staring at a screen that is designed not as a tool to help us, but as something that pursues us, with desires and goals of its own to use you, to take from you, to steal from you, to steal and kill and destroy. These don't sound like the Holy Spirit goals. These sound like very evil goals. They weren't intended that way. I'm not saying this is part of some vast conspiracy theory. No, but that's the fruit. That's what's coming out. That's what's happening. What if you had two and a half hours a day where instead of going to this, what if we put it down? What if you said, I'm going to empty that out? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to try it. I'm going to practice this, see how it goes. What if you replace that with God's wisdom, God's truth, his promises that are real, his faithfulness, his not fake news, but his real realities? And what if instead of liking, we actually started doing? I think that all of those things that, that, are, that are promises of social media, we can actually see, and in greater amounts, greater amounts of the time. I just want to encourage us, what if we started to unfollow our feed and started to follow God's word? This song that we're about to sing is about exactly that. In a world full of fake news, in a world where people want to take from us our time, the moments, our kids' childhood, in a lot of cases, even their lives. That's why this is so important. I, I just want to hone in on, on the kids for a second here. It hit me this past week that if you, if you are a, an older millennial like, like I am, and you grew up without all this stuff, this is on us. There is no other generation that remembers what it was like to not be staring at a screen constantly. There's no other generation. It's on us or they're, they're going to forget. They're never going to see it. It's going to be gone. This week, Tuesday night, we are having an interest meeting for parents and anybody that wants to invest their life in the next generation, into students, right here at the church, I would ask you, come, check it out. Obviously, you know, with, with Michael and Emma moving on, we, we have some holes in our student ministry here at Paradox. We would love for you to be part of shaping the future of what that looks like as we invest in the next generation. Similar thing this week at Paradox. Again, Friday, you can join both of these things virtually. Just please reach out on a Connect card. Say, hey, I'm interested. Uh, I, I'm just not going to be there so that we can set that up. We are going to be hosting a watch party for a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Now, I'm not saying that this was inspired by scripture or something, all right? But it's a really eye-opening documentary. Got a lot of good things to say from the people that created some of this stuff. And we're going to watch it. And we're going to discuss. I'll be here. I would love to share with you just some of the practical things that we're trying to put into place in our family 
to put limits and boundaries on technology? How do we interact with this in a good way, in a life-giving way? Is that even possible? We'll discuss it. We'll have a panel, and we'll, and we'll talk about it from there. That's Friday night, 7 o'clock here. Again, Tuesday night's Rev, Friday night, watch party here. Would love if you would join us. But let's end our time together. If, if you want prayer for absolutely anything, we have a team that will stay six feet away from you but would love to pray with you over the areas where you're feeling uncertain, the areas where you're feeling lost and confused, hurt, over relationships that have been ripped apart by our, our own brokenness in these areas. We would love to pray for you as we together, as a church, as people, go to God's word. Go to God in his presence as we soak in his reality which is good, which is loving, which is full of joy, full of hope, and gives us life. His promises are real, they're true, and they're good, and they never change. Would you join us in song as we respond? Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.